And this spring, we're going to look through a series of, of messages out of the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is Paul's little letter to the church in Thessalonica, way up there at the top of the Aegean Sea, at the very north end of that, the little town of Thessalonica there in Greece. His letter to that church that he admired so much. A lot of Paul's letters are difficult and they're hard because he has to correct error and difficulty. As you look at 1 Thessalonians, you'll find very little correction. Most of it is actually affirmation. What that church is doing right. What that church is, is functioning and operating as in terms of making a difference in its community, in its world at that period of time. And it helps us to understand what is very bedrock to us as a church. So if you're new with us or you're online for the first time with us, our church deeply believes that the most life-changing experience you ever will have is meeting Jesus. And we love to have the opportunity to introduce him to you because it is the most life-changing experience any of us have, has ever had. And a part of that, it becomes a part of our values, is being biblically focused. Pretty well everything we know, we know from the scriptures. And definitely everything we know for certain, we know from the scriptures. Even our experience is oftentimes filtered by what we understand to be the truth of God's word. Well, what we look at as God's word and understand and believe is God's word as the scriptures teach us and motivate us and, and guide us, help us walk each and every day. And so just like the psalmist who wrote in the lyrics of his song that God's word was like a lamp, it was literally like that light that would illuminate the path ahead of him, here we are in the 21st century and the thing that we are depending upon this week is this word to illuminate the path, to light up the path in front of us as we live our lives, as we do so in our families, as we do so in our schools, as we do so in our workplaces. We let God's word lead us. And so Thessalonians becomes a great place to spend the spring. It'll be several series throughout the spring, but it becomes a great place for us to just stop and look at what our life is like, what our faith is like. And of course, as we approach Easter, what our hope is like. What it, what it means for that to be real, what it means for that to be true, what it means for that to be fully authentic in the way we live. And that Paul starts off right off the bat in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in the very first verse. He normally gives long and flourished greetings. In this particular case, he just starts right off straight to that church. This is the way you are and this is what I'm thankful for. And we get a chance to look at that. We get a chance to look back in time, 2,100 years, and see what Paul wrote to that church and then come back out of back in time to today and see and ask and experience, what does God want to do this week? It's the past is important and the future is, is challenging and important. But for all of us as believers, what we do this week for Jesus typically is and should be our highest priority. So let's look at these words Paul wrote to this, to this church that he was just so, quite honestly, impressed. I know sometimes we get hung up on issues of pride and, and we don't like to say that we're impressed with a church. That may feel awkward, but that's exactly what Paul says. He, he is excited about what God is doing and how the people in Thessalonica are responding to it. 
He begins in the first verse just simply stating the greeting. In a sense, this is co-authored. He and Silas have come together with Timothy, and they're writing this letter to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is actually a pretty accurate description of what church is. I know when I first became a believer, I didn't really have a concept for that. I didn't really know what church was. I I knew it was what other people went to on Sundays when I didn't go. And I had some assumptions, most of which were incorrect. But there's a simple definition here. There's a simple description of this church. It is the church of the Thessalonians. Church needs to and is supposed to have a geographic impact. Now that doesn't limit them to their town, to their city, to their region. Just because it's the church that's in Thessalonica doesn't mean it's only in Thessalonica. Their reach is local and it is also global. They have the opportunity. Every time one of those businessmen or one of those businesswomen travel to another region, they didn't leave their faith in Thessalonica. They took it with them because their faith was real, it was active, it was a part of who they were, so that everywhere they went, they were a part of the church. We did a consultation, it's been, I guess, probably a couple years now, definitely over a year ago, um, and we looked at the patterns of our congregation. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in the meeting with the consultants, and we were discussing where our people are. And the conversation shifted from where our people are on Sundays, which at that time was here in this building. Now it's also available online to where they were on Monday mornings. And as we had the conversation, we recognized that our congregation had dispersed. It dispersed in an obvious way because we were an outside suburb of the Houston Metroplex Many had gone into Houston because that's where they worked. They lived here, went into Houston, and we recognized that. But then we started talking about some of our friends, and and the, the conversation began, well, this guy, he's in the Netherlands this week. This guy is in China. This lady is in Brazil. And as we started naming, we started realizing how many of our people had been home for the weekend, but turned around and went other places, went back into central Mexico, went went literally all across the globe, and that was the international ones, that wasn't the ones who had been here in Tomball for the weekend, but now their job has them down in Harlingen or, or up in Plano. The church disperses, but it comes home. It has identification, and that identification, in our cases, is the Tomball region, doesn't mean everybody in this room, and it definitely doesn't mean everybody on live stream this morning is from Tomball, but we have that identity in common. This is home. Wherever God takes us, nothing really changes. In the same way we carry our families with us and our friends with us, we carry the gospel. We carry the hope of Jesus Christ in our lives everywhere we go. Because the church isn't just a geographic location. The church is just as viable, just as real, just as true, and our faith is just as viable and just as real online as it is physically, absolutely in every way. Our online facility, that online space, which looks a lot like your living room, except that you've invited us in today, is just as viable 
as any worship center, any education space, any recreation space we might build with brick and mortar. Because the church is not just geography. It is the church, Paul says in verse one, in God the Father. We describe where the church is, but how the church is, is supernatural. It is divine in nature. It is uniquely the creation of God. We were established in 1909. Mostly farmers who moved to this area, many of them German farmers, who moved to this area to establish their homes, to establish their crops, and to start new life. The vast majority of them immigrants in nature. And they established. They decided they wanted a church that reflected the Baptist doctrine of belief, which is just a reflection of Christian doctrine, which is ultimately and should always be a reflection of what the Bible teaches. They wanted a church here. And so that began a physical presence. But long before those farmers dreamed of having a place together, long before they they got together in 1909 to establish a little community and, and a faith community within a community that was only a couple years old itself, it was on God's heart. The church was on God's heart before time as we understand it existed. God created man and woman. He created them in his own image. He created them for relationship. And out of that very intimate beginning relationship, he would continue to expand and increase mankind. And he would continue to invite them into relationship with him and enjoy those moments of gathering and worship together. The idea of church far outdates anything ever written about or designed or drawn in design of a church. It was the heart of God. God always loved us from the beginning. He never stopped loving us. Even when we rebelled and sinned, he didn't stop loving us. He still loves us. He still cares for us. He wants to be with us. Now you think about the spaces in your house. And I think about it even in my own house. You know, the the biggest room in the house is actually our living room. It's designed, and then it's decorated and designed interiorly from my wife as a place together. In fact, it's such a central hub for us to be together as a family. A lot of times it takes over other parts of the house. Especially these days, it's kind of our household's kind of down to just the two of us. Every once in a while on weekends, mostly Sunday afternoons, our kids will come over and, and, and we have that opportunity to be with, together with them. Uh, but when it's just the two of us, you know, I don't, I don't know if everybody does this, but we'll fix dinner and we'll go sit in the recliners. We'll go sit together. There, there are, our seats are, are strategically placed side by side. And then there's a couch that our kids prefer to sit on, more realistically recline when they're with us. It's, it's just a place to be together. I, I'm getting old enough sometimes it doubles as a bedroom. When I get home from church this afternoon, I already told the deacons that I was with, the, with them earlier, I even grabbed my phone earlier and set an alarm clock because we have deacons meeting this afternoon at five and at 4.15, I am more than likely going to be asleep, not in my bedroom, but in my living room, right there in that same recliner. And I'll have to wake up in order to leave. A church has a lot of different functions. 
We have education functions. We have classes. We, we, have, we have things that facilitate understanding and being a biblically focused church. But primarily, it's to be together. And in fact, there are very few places, if any, that I can think of that are exclusively private. Because God wants to be together with us and he's given us a passion to be together. We are the church in Tomball. We are the church in God the Father. He established us. His, his purpose is what we live for. And as if Paul wants to make that so absolutely certain and so obvious to us, he explains even who we belong to. We are the church in the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave his son so that we could know him and have life with him. And so we have that opportunity to be with him because Jesus is the one who made this possible. Jesus came here, he interrupted our schedules, he interrupted his own life and schedule in heaven, came here, lived here, taught here, laughed here, ate here, suffered here, died here. In fact, Jesus experienced everything there is about our life, even as messed up as it is, while he was here. With the one exception, he never sinned. But he did go one step further than sometimes even we go. He experienced the consequences of our sin. And physical death came upon him, but more serious and more, more striking for us than the physical death of Christ on the cross is the moment when that spiritual separation took place. And Jesus, even out of his own agony, had to cry out, my God, referring to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus didn't know our sin, didn't experience our sin, didn't do our sin, but he experienced the consequences of it. So that you and I could have the life that we enjoy. So we can go to school tomorrow, learn and, and get our education and help our friends meet this Jesus. That's the church. It's the church, it's in a place, but it was from the heart of God. And it is exclusively Jesus's. His and his alone bought for, paid for by his own loss of life and his own loss of blood. That's the church. And that's just first one. We got four or five chapters to go. That's who we are. But I love how immediately thinking about the church caused the Apostle Paul to think about, in many ways, the benefits of the church. He uses three different participles to divide up the rest of these verses in verses two through five. He says, we always mention you. We recall your actions and we know your confidence. So if I become a part of this identifiable church that exists in a physical location, whether that is here or online, whatever that is described as or looks like or designed like, if I'm a part of a church that was the very heartbeat of God, if that's the, the one thing God wanted to do was have church, if I'm a part of it exclusively because Jesus gave me the invitation and gave me the password necessary to be a part of it, then what's going to happen? And when the first thing you're going to experience is prayer. Paul says in verse two, we always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We always mention you. 
You were prayed for before you arrived this morning. We have multiple, what we call intercessory ministries. These are ministries where people gather to pray. We send out reports to everybody every night of the week so they know what to pray for. We challenge many of those who are on live stream right now who cannot leave their houses or cannot leave their apartments, can't leave the locations they're at. We challenge them to pray. We send them information so they can pray. You were prayed for before you ever stepped through the door today. Not just because you're the pastor, but because somebody prayed that somebody would visit and somebody would come and the prayer was that you would find the meaningful life that Jesus offers you. That you would begin to experience that life-changing relationship. Church is a place to pray. When we get into a serious situation and we can overcome the difficulties of sometimes sharing very intimate things, we share them and people pray. They pray for any number of things. They pray for our children. They pray for our marriages. They pray for our finances. They pray for our, our struggles. And obviously we pray for health. You pick up any place in the world, you pick up a prayer list from some church, some congregation, literally any place in the world. And what you're going to find primarily is a list of all the people that are struggling physically. I mean, we have people, and this happens almost every week, that will have to watch this service from a hospital because they're in the hospital this week. We have people who are struggling because they're waiting for diagnosis or they're waiting for direction, they're waiting for decisions. We have a world who is in health crisis. And this church prays. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you and we make mention of you constantly in our prayers. I come here every Sunday and I know there are people praying for me. Last year when I was out with COVID, I had not only the adults of our church, but children of our church coming home from school, asking their parents, how's Pastor James doing today? I am grateful for a medical doctor who was on top of it and excellent and could help me in areas where other doctors are saying they didn't know what to do and mine did excellent and he did a great job and I'm thankful and I'm here, I think, because of it. But one degree higher than that is I was here because six and seven and eight-year-olds came home and asked their parents, how's Pastor James doing? And those parents prayed with their children and God heard those prayers and I don't want the parents to get offended. I'm insinuating he may have heard your kids' prayers better than your prayers. But I'm counting on you for the leadership. Your child knows how to pray because they hear you pray. It makes a difference. A church is a place you can depend on being prayed for. A church is a place of action. This is, this is not spectator. I mean, there are lots of spectator sports. There's, I mean, we, can, we watch games. We, you, know, we, you can do just about anything. You can go out and you can, as best as you possibly can surf in the Gulf of, Gulf of, Gal, uh, of Mexico, you can go to Galveston, probably better off going on down to Corpus, um, South Padre. You can watch surfing or you can get out on the board. Church is not a place to be bored. It is not a place to just be watching. It's a place to participate. In verse three, Paul says that he recalls, and what he's recalling are their actions. I recall, he says, your work produced by faith. I recall your labor motivated by love. 
I recall your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What great motivating factors to do something with our life. The fact that God's work in our life, our faith in that work produces a desire to labor, a desire to do something. People, people say that, that, that phrase all the time, particularly when you're young, is I want to make a difference in the world. And I wanted to make a difference as far back as I possibly could. But I will be honest with you. As much as I tried and as much as I did before I became a Christian, I didn't get effective at making a difference until Jesus changed my life. And my faith in Jesus caused me to want to work and labor for Christ. I realized 24 hours, the night after I first asked Jesus into my heart, I was with friends and I had a prayer experience where I wanted to know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. They prayed with me. And while they were praying, I realized I don't necessarily know how. I don't even know I can give you a great description of it. It wasn't an audible voice, but something inside of me said, this is real. This, this is true. This is, this is that moment when faith became reality for me. And I understood Jesus had answered my prayer. He had forgiven me. He had secured my eternity. And the very first words out of my mouth as a brand new, very fresh Christian was, okay, God, whatever you want me to do. Now, I always feel like I need to give a caveat there. That doesn't mean if you ask Jesus in your heart today, you're going to have to be a pastor. That was my track. But when Ethan asked Christ into his life, God sent him to his school to be a testimony, to labor. And he wants to work. All of our students want to work. If our teenagers can do it. In fact, if you're on live stream, feel free to put in the chat your appreciation of our student ministry. Our live stream is manned by our student ministry. Everybody that's on a camera today and helping us with this and under the direction of our producers, everybody who's doing that is in high school. Some, some of them, I think, are actually lower than high school. Because when you become a believer in Christ, you want to work. Your faith motivates you to do something. It's, and it's motivated not just by faith, but by the love that faith experiences. I never knew what love was until I met Jesus. And now, that's all I can think about. That's why I, I can say with all my heart, with full honesty, I love our church. I look forward to being here, not because I'm preaching or teaching, but because I just want to see you. I just want to be in your presence. God taught me how to do that. It wasn't natural. God taught me. And quite honestly, I'm going to have to just be honest on my theology. This is for another day. But I think anything that was natural was gifted by God in the first place. And so if God made me more sociable than my partner next to me who's, who's very analytic, then it's because God knew this is what he wanted me to do and he prepared the basic resources to do what I could do after faith had put us in relationship and after his love had transformed me. And that's why endurance is inspired by hope. That's why we don't give up. And we don't give up. Church never gives up. Do you know how many times in history... I love history. I've studied history. We have history professors that are members of our church. You look at the cycle of history, and multiple times throughout all the years, there has been evidence 
that surely Christianity, surely Judeo-Christian biblical faith wasn't going to make it. And it's made it every single time. That's because this kind of relationship with God endures. Because we have hope, no matter how bad, no matter how difficult it gets, we're with Jesus in the end, either way. We don't give up. If there's ever a group of people ever in the world that truly personifies not being a quitter, it's Christians. And I know I sound like I'm bragging on this, and I guess I really am, but it's the way God works in us. How can we give up when Jesus never gave up on us? Never. There was no time Jesus said, James, I think you've just gone too far. We're done. There can be a time you reject long enough, over and over long enough, and you exit this life without knowing Jesus. But I don't even think that's God giving up on us. I think we just gave up on God to the point his hands were tied. Because he loves us. He wants us in this relationship. We work, we labor, and we're excited about it. And we look forward to it. And the very last thing there in verse four and five is just the confidence. I'm not gonna go into all the detail of all these phrases, but he says, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. That's a lot of words to just simply say, you can have complete confidence as a believer in Christ. God's got control of you. He's leading you. He loves you extensively beyond our comprehension. He's chosen us. He's picked us. He wants to be with us. I mean, what an exciting moment when somebody wants to be with us. God wants to be with us. He looked forward to this morning the same way we looked forward to this morning. He looks forward to what you're going to do tomorrow at work the same way you'll look forward to doing it on his behalf and as an ambassador of his. He, that gospel, it's not something created The creator gave it to us. It's not just, you know, it's just not philosophy. It's not just human ideas. It's transforming. It's powerful. And the Holy Spirit himself, God himself, lives in us in these moments and gives us full assurance. This life is not full of assurance. This life will not breed or collect or or create confidence. But when you've trusted this life, into the hand of a father who has said, as my child, I am never going to let you go. Then you have confidence. So no matter what comes tomorrow, we're okay. We're secure. Like Paul wrote to the church in Rome, I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, height, depth, anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what I choose to build my life on. My faith in Jesus, who continues to change lives every day and allows us to be a part of it. That's the church. God's people. Praying, working, and victorious. I'm going to ask Doran and our team to come back and just give us an opportunity to worship. Give us an opportunity to express that confidence. 
You can do that a variety of ways. You can do it right where you're sitting, right where you're standing as we start to sing. You're always welcome to come up here to the front of the platform in kind of a physical response and just pray yourself. We make ourselves available. Most of us, all the pastors and ministers, several deacons and teachers, we kind of hang around down here. So if you have a question or you're making some kind of decision that takes action, you need to talk to somebody about joining the church. Most importantly, make that decision to trust Jesus. We'll be around. It's not like it's that hard to find us. You're welcome to come talk to us. The song states what this whole series is really about. What am I going to build my life on? Who am I going to build my life on? And will I build it on Jesus, the only sufficient foundation to trust?